Hey, don't you love that song? Hey, God's people come and let us what? Adore our amazing God. Let's give a shout of praise to our God. Hey, He is worship. He is worthy to be adored. Well, let me welcome everyone. My name is Omar, and I serve as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want just, if I want to take the time to welcome everyone watching us right now online as well as everyone watching us at our campuses here in Miami live all through Miami they in fact family let's go ahead and give it up for them big time hey thank you so much for joining us and uh, you know next year we're gonna start a study a journey through the gospel of Mark studying the life of our Lord and we thought during this Christmas season it'll be kind of cool to be able just to do some character studies of the people revolving the birth of Christ You know, last week, Pastor Rick taught on the wise men, and he did a phenomenal job, didn't he? He did a phenomenal job teaching us God's Word. And today, we're going to be looking at another person involved around the birth of Christ, and his name was Joseph. You know, oftentimes, he's the one that gets forgotten oftentimes around the birth of Christ, but he had a huge part in his life. And so today, today we are going to look at his life. And so I'm ready to dive into God's Word. I hope you are too. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and also Proverbs chapter 16, all right? You can follow along as I read. It says this. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, in other words, they were planning their life together. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. And then Proverbs says this, a man's heart plans his way, right? A a man's heart envisions his future, but the Lord is the one that directs his steps. Amen, family? Amen. You can go and take a seat. You know, years back, my family and I decided to take a little trip all the way to Gatlinburg, Tennessee during the Christmas season. In fact, how many of you by show of hands have been to Gatlinburg, Tennessee? Yeah, many of us, right? It's a little charming town right there at the foot of the Smoky Mountains. So I'm the one that whenever we go on trips, I'm the one who I love to plan. Man, I love to be able to open up Google, uh, Google Maps, Waze, and see the road ahead, right? I like to know exactly where we are going. So the day came, I opened it up, I planned, we got in our cars, and off we went. And folks, we went up through Florida, we went through Georgia, and I got to tell you, things were going as planned. Yeah, things were going as planned. There was no traffic, the weather was great, we were making great time. And so I could just see us getting there right on time. We were, we were, everything was going great. But once we got into Tennessee and we started going up those mountains, as we were going up, we ran into this huge, huge detour sign. And folks, this detour sign did not lead us to another major road. Oh, no. This detour sign led us into a small country road headed straight into the woods. Now, now follow me here, because what I experienced during that time, what I experienced during that time, it was something like I've never experienced before. You know, to begin with, it was really dark. It was night, so I couldn't see much. There were curves all throughout, so, you know, it was easy. You could easily go off the, the ledge. There were no barriers around. 
And the, and the road was icy and muddy. And to make matters worse, this road was taking us in completely different direction that we wanted to go. It was taking us away from Gallenberg. And you know how it is. When you get into one of these detours, you get so frustrated, right? Because you are so focused on where you want to go. And when you are detoured to another place that you don't want to go, listen, frustration sets in deep. But folks, after three long hours, three long hours of this road, somehow, someway, we were able to get back on track and get to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. But folks, do not miss the point. Because it did not matter how much I planned. It did not matter how much I envisioned the road ahead. We still ran into detours along the way. Now, family, let me just bring all that over to our time together because, folks, what an image of our journey in life. And by that, I mean that just like, listen, I had planned out and envisioned our road, our journey, but still, still ran into detours, no matter how hard I tried. Listen, just like that, and here's the big idea for today. Even though we might try to plan what our life is going to look like, it doesn't matter how hard you try, Detours are coming down the way. They're inevitable. And who knows, maybe you're watching right now, you're thinking, Pastor, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because in my life, I had my plans. In my life, I had envisioned what my future would look like in terms of my marriage, in terms of my, my friends, my family, my finances, my career. I had envisioned, I had envisioned, had a plan for my life but this past year, there have been some detours along the way. And so, Omar, when those things happen and your plans are not going as planned, Omar, how do you process all this so that you can stay honoring God? Well, we're going to find out from Matthew chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. You can also open up your CF apps. You can download them in the app store. In the CF, CF app, you can uh, read the verse, fill in the blanks, write some notes. It's a really cool app, so I encourage you to download it. But today I have two thoughts for you on how to navigate through those detours in our life. So write this down as point number one. The first thing we need to realize is that unplanned detours are actually planned by God. Amen? They're planned by God. Now, let's go to the passage for today. Let's do what it says. It says this. Oh, there we go. Well, don't worry. I'll read it for us. It says this. Oh, there we go. It came up. All right. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, they had, before they came together... I think we got some issues. Let me read it from, from God's word so you can just hear. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to, betrothed to Joseph, before they, be, they came together, she was found to be with child. Now, folks, today we're going to focus on Joseph, who oftentimes becomes an afterthought in the Christmas story. Listen, without a doubt, Joseph was like you and I, and he had plans for his life. 
you know, growing up, he probably envisioned a life where he would be able to meet a girl and get married, have children, develop a career, right? Have a traditional home, have a traditional life. In those days, it was so important for a man to be respected and honored by his peers, by the people who lived around him. And so without a doubt, listen, we forget about Joseph, but Joseph had a plan, had a vision for his life, just like any one of us, right? And folks, he was on the verge of achieving everything he had planned when he met this girl named Mary. Now, if you have your Bibles open right now, circle the word betrothed. Because in biblical times, a betrothal was more significant than in an engagement nowadays. And so in a Hebrew marriage consisted, listen, of two different steps. The first step was the betrothal, and then the second step of the marriage was the actual wedding ceremony. And here's what would happen in that betrothal. So, so the families would come together. It was a very special occasion. And so the first step of this betrothal would, that would be that the young man, in this case Joseph, would come before the bride's father and give him a dowry or a bride price. It was a large amount of money that was given to the father in case something happened in that marriage. In case he passed away, they got divorced, something bad happened in that marriage. It was to ensure that she would be taking care of the rest of her life. And so the first step was to give the father a dowry. He would almost like, it would be the bride price. But then he would look towards his young bride and he would give her a gift as well. In fact, in the Hebrew, they would call, they, they, they would call this a matan. They, she would, he, he would give her a matan. And this would be a gift that she would receive that she would then eventually bring into the marriage. And so, folks, at this, porch, at this point, once they had gone through this betrothal ceremony, folks, they were, in a sense, together legally. In fact, if they wanted to get divorced, I mean, if they wanted to go separate ways, it was an actual formal divorce. So this is a big, big thing. And so after this, the, the, the groom would leave for about a year, and this would be a time of preparation for both of them. It would be a time also of testing fidelity. And so during this time, he would be, the, the groom would be out preparing their future home, and the bride would not know when he was coming back. She didn't know that day or the hour. But whenever the groom would come back, there would be somebody who would play a trumpet. They would make a big announcement. The bride would get ready, and then they would have a marriage ceremony. Now, folks, if that sounds a little like what's going to happen with us in Christ, it's because that every Jewish marriage was a foreshadowing of really of what happens with us in Christ. You see, the Bible says that when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he, what, he ransomed us, he redeemed us at the cross. Then he looks to us, his bride. He gives us a gift. Then he goes to heaven to prepare a place for us. And we don't know the day or the hour when he's coming back, but when he's coming back, the book, the, the Bible says that there's going to be a trumpet, the archangel is going to announce, and then we're going to see our Lord returning. Aren't you excited for that, family? Yeah, that's going to be a great, great day. But folks, listen, let's go back to the story. 
Because during this time of betrothal, you can imagine that Joseph was at his home getting it ready. You know, he was a carpenter, and so he's probably, you know, building all the furniture, the kitchen, he's building all the, all the couches, everything. He knows that Mary likes her darker wood, so he's giving it a darker stain. And so as he's working on their home, prepare their home, I am sure that he's envisioning his future with Mary. But folks, as he's hard at work, he gets word that Mary wants to see him. And now this is not usual. So you can imagine he gets a little bit of anxiety in his heart, and then he starts making his way to go see Mary. And when he sees Mary, he sees her that she is with child. Now folks, imagine how Joseph must have felt at that moment. You know, Joseph had his plans. Joseph had envisioned this future. And now this girl who he's about to marry, now this girl has, is with child with obviously not his baby. And who knows, maybe you right now, you find yourself in Joseph's shoes. Not in the same predicament, but perhaps you have been planning your life. You have envisioned a future, but recently you got news that really has rocked your world in many ways. And your life is completely different before those news. And so as Joseph is receiving these news and he's seeing what's happening, here's what he begins to wrestle with. Write this down as letter A and B. That detours in life, listen, happen even when we obey God and detours happen even when we don't sin against God. You see, Joseph, folks, listen, Joseph had done nothing wrong. In fact, for God to choose Joseph as the stepfather of Jesus, as, a, as the caretaker of the Lord, he must have been a very godly man, amen? He must have been someone who was God-honoring and just before God. In fact, listen to how the passage continues because it reveals what type of man Joseph was. Listen to what it says. It says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being a what? Come on, a little louder. Being a what? A just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now pause right there because there's a lot of stuff going on here. You see, the only way at this juncture for Joseph to protect himself from public humiliation was to publicly call out Mary for her sin. Because and going that route, he would distance herself, himself from her, and he would be able to live somewhat of a normal life. But here's what happens. If he would do that, according to Levitical law, she would be stoned to death. But what Joseph did here, being a blameless and a righteous man, what he did is that he risked, his, he risked public embarrassment. He risked financial ruin, right? Because who would want to do business with someone that would stay with a woman who cheated on him, right? And instead of, of doing that, so he risked all that instead of Mary being affected. So Joseph lived a life of obedience before God. He was a just man. 
He was a righteous man, but things still didn't go as planned. And you know, family, here's the thing. When you and I sin, when we dishonor God, when we don't obey God, when we don't want to honor the Lord in different areas of our lives, and there are consequences to our actions, I think there's something in us that accepts that. You know, we did something wrong before God. We didn't listen to him. We didn't obey him. And now we're suffering the consequences. And so even though we might not like the consequences, I think there's something in our mind that says, you know what, I understand why this is happening. But folks, what really messes up with people's mind is when you strive to honor the Lord, when you try to obey God, when you try to live a righteous life before God, and still things don't go as planned. In fact, family, my experience as a pastor, I've seen so many people get discouraged when things like this happen that eventually they just walk away from the faith because they think, what's the point of me trying to obey God and still things don't go as planned? So I've seen a lot of people walk away from the Lord. And who knows, maybe right now I'm speaking to you right now because even though you're not perfect, you've tried to honor the Lord. You've tried to honor, to honor God. You are at church right now. You're watching. Listen, you're, you're trying to see God. But somewhere along the way, listen, things have happened in life. And your plans, what you envision in life, hasn't taken place. You know, who knows? Maybe you're out there right now and you're a single girl. You're striving for purity. You are involved at church. You've gone to students. You've gone to young adults. You've gone to single groups. You've done everything right. You're at church serving. You've had a couple relationships here and there, but you're still single and you're getting older and you're wondering, Lord, when are you going to give me that husband? Maybe you're someone who has honored the Lord with their giving. You've honored the Lord with your finances, but this pastor, you still lost your job. Maybe you're out there right now and you own a business and you've done things right, but you still have taken a downturn in your company, in your portfolio and everything happening in your life. Maybe perhaps you have been the best spouse possible, not perfect, but your spouse has still given you a letter of divorce. Maybe you have tried to raise your children to the best of your abilities. You've brought them to church, but they still, they went their own way. You tried to have the best health possible, but you still got hit with that illness. You've never hurt anybody. You've always tried to do good to people, but you still got defrauded. You see, sometimes what happens, what messes with us is when we do things right in our life and yet things don't go as planned and there's a detour along the way and you're trying to figure things out. But folks, here's what you need to remember. In the midst of the detours in life, write this down as big number two. Unplanned detours, listen, are ultimately led by God. Amen? They're led by God. In fact, let's go back to the passage for today. Listen to what happens. It says, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, right, as he's processing all this, it says, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, 
the Lord was trying to help Joseph understand that even though his plans, what he envisioned for his future, were collapsing all around him. Listen, that the Lord was leading this, that the Lord was behind this. See, this is why the proverb says this, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord, what? Directs his steps. In other words, folks, listen, we can plan all we want, and it is good for us to plan. I'm not saying that we should not plan. We all should plan and have a vision for our life. But folks, understand this, that doesn't matter how hard you try and you plan, God is still sovereign. God will still lead you to exactly what he wants you to go. There's nothing that's outside of God's sovereign hand in your life. And so in the midst of all those detours, of all those unexpected news, of those things that are happening in your life, small or big in life, listen, here's what we need to remember. Write this down as small letter A. Every unplanned detour teaches us to depend and trust in the Lord. Amen? Every detour teaches us to depend and trust in God. And folks, listen, this was a season where, Joseph, where the Lord would teach Joseph how to truly depend and trust in him like never before. And folks, what a ride it was for Joseph. Because to begin with, the focus of their wedding, they got married right away it seems right, right after that. And folks, folks, the focus of the wedding was not on this happy couple. But folks, the focus of the wedding is that Mary is with child. And so you can imagine the rumors and the murmuring behind closed doors of what was going on with that marriage, with that couple. In fact, tradition holds that there's a rumor that Mary, that while Joseph was in betrothal, right, preparing their future home, that Mary had a, got together with a Roman soldier because Nazareth was a Roman outpost and that that child was not Joseph's or rather it was a Roman soldier's. And so that's one of the rumors that were taking place at that time. And family, once they got to the wedding and things were starting at least to start moving forward, then there were some journeys that they had to go through. And so let me just give you a visual of what they had to go through. First of all, they were in Nazareth at the beginning but there was a census that was called right at the lay part of Mary's pregnancy. So Joseph had to take Mary all the way to where? To Bethlehem. And folks, when they got to Bethlehem, we all know the story. Listen, there was no place at the inn, and so there was no place for Mary to give birth. Listen, I don't know about you, for my wife, listen, when we were having Camila, our, our, our baby girl, she knew exactly what hospital she was gonna go to, who was her doctor? There was clarity there. Folks, there was no clarity there. It was completely chaotic, and they went to this place where they were born technically, had this child, and then they started. And folks, once they were there, guess what? Now they had to go to travel to Jerusalem to, to, to do, to do the, uh, the, all the traditions with a, with a young child, and then they had to go back to Bethlehem. And once they were in Bethlehem, and things were starting just to die down a little bit and start to get into a routine. Herod the king wants to kill every child under two years of age. You guys remember that? And guess what? The Lord said, Joseph, take Mary and go to Egypt. So they, then Joseph takes Mary, his young wife, and his little baby boy through a desert, through a desert about almost 600 miles all the way to Egypt. This is, this is not I-95. 
flying down the highway. Listen, this is walking through a wilderness. And for once where they're in Egypt, they're there for two years. And folks, Joseph doesn't know the language. Joseph doesn't know, how to pro- doesn't know anything about that place or in a foreign land. And folks, you can imagine the dependency on God. We forget the trials of two years that Joseph had to deal with the situation. And after all that, guess what? Then they leave and they go all the way back to Nazareth. And so folks, to say the least, listen, Joseph had it rough for those first couple of years. But can I tell you, that was a season where Joseph learned to trust and to depend in the Lord. And so the question that I have for you is this. Listen, when you are going through your detour in life right now, whether big or small, the question that I have for you is, are you trusting and depending in God? You know, when you think about what's happening in your life, are you coming to a point where you are questioning what is going on? You're questioning the Lord, or are you at a place where you're trusting God? Are you at a point that as you're going through this detour life, you are murmuring about your condition, about your situation, or or are you praising God for his faithfulness? You know, are you in a place where you are in the midst of this detour, restless and anxious, or are you resting in God? So you got to ask yourself, evaluate, how's my journey? What am I doing right now in the middle of this detour? Am I trusting the Lord, and then am I depending on the Lord? And family, here's so why it's so important that we trust and depend on God in the midst of every detour in life. Write this down as letter B. It's because unplanned detours, listen, are for our ultimate good. For our ultimate good. Now, notice what, what, what the Lord tells Joseph in the next verse. It says this. It says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will what? A little louder. Come on. For he will save his people from their what? From their sins. You see, in other words, Joseph, listen, this detour in life that you've had, I know that your plans have not come to fruition. I know that your, what you envision has not taken place. But listen, at the end of the day, I will work it out for your absolute best. Amen? Because listen, this little child that you are holding in your hand, that, you, that, that really has detoured your life, this little child will one day grow up and he will live a perfect life and go to a cross. And on that cross, he would die for your sins to give you a future and a hope. And you know, folks, you know what connects our detour in life with Joseph's detour in life? It's that little baby boy. It is because the life, death, and resurrection of Christ that we can know for sure that we have a future and a hope and all things are working now for our absolute best. Amen? Because folks, listen, if Christ had not died on that cross... If Jesus Christ had not come to this earth and done what he did for us, listen, everything that happens to us will not be for our ultimate good. See, it is the death of Christ that guarantees that everything that happens in our life for the child of God happens for our absolute best. See, folks, and this is why God's word says this, and we know 
that for those who love God, all things, all detours in life, what? Work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, for the child of God, everything that takes place is happening for our absolute best. And you know, when you wonder, is this really real? How can I really believe that? Just listen to the logic that God gives us just four verses later. He says this. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with us, with him, graciously give us all things? In other words, it doesn't make sense. Why would God give his son to us, his one and only son, to die on a cross, to then take you on a detour in life for your absolute worst, to leave you alone, not for your good? Listen, if the reason is, if God already gave us his son, then listen, it only makes sense that every detour in life is for our absolute best. Amen? You know, going back to my opening story, when we finally got to our cabin after a three-hour detour, being super frustrated, I decided to turn on the news. And on the news, you know what, 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 they, what they were talking about? Had on that road that we were on before, how there were boulders coming down the mountain, hitting cars along the way. And you know, family, when I saw that, my perspective changed. I was no longer frustrated because I saw the providence of God. He took us on a detour, right, to avoid or something. And sometimes, you know what happens? God in the detours of life doesn't show you how it's working out for your absolute best. Sometimes we got to get to the end of our life to understand. You know, for theologians, they say, they say that the, the term they use once you finish your life and you go to heaven to be with Christ is when we are glorified. That's the theological term. And in that, at that point in time, when we're in heaven, we're going to get new bodies. Not sinf- they're not sinf- sinful bodies. We're going to experience any pain, no more pain, no more crime. We're going to be in the presence of Christ. And so when we think of that state of glorification in heaven, many people think about our state and who we are But we forget that another special part of us being glorified, of us being with Christ, is that he's going to show us how every little detour in life did work out for our absolute best. Amen? Isn't that going to be a glorious day? Amen. And so let me end with this. You know, back when I was in college, I was in business school and undergrad, and my plans in life was to be an executive at a company. That's what I wanted to be in business school. And I remember one time I got an invitation by Morgan Stanley, a big financial company in New York City, to go up and interview for a job to be a, an investment banker. So as you can imagine, I was on cloud nine. I cannot believe I got this opportunity. I was going to be interviewed by four vice presidents. So, hey, they took me up there. I got on a flight. They took me up there. They put me in a, in a hotel right on Times Square in the 50-something floor, the suite. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And I remember that night, I got down on my knees right before beside my bed. And I said, Lord, I've honored you all my life. I've always striven to walk with you, Lord. This is what I've been waiting for. So, Lord, I I pray that you would just open the door tomorrow. Just lead me tomorrow. So I prayed that prayer. I went to bed. 
The next day I woke up, I put on my suit, I got my little portfolio, and off I went to that interview. And family, I wish I could tell you it was amazing, that I did amazing, but not quite. Because I, I remember just being interviewing and I was mumbling over, stumbling over my words, I was not really answering properly. And at, towards the end of one of the interviews with one of these vice presidents, I remember I was sitting on a chair just like this, you know, with, my, with my legs full, uh, crossed for about an hour. And I was so nervous I didn't uncross my legs. So when I stood up, I didn't realize my leg was completely numb. And so when I went to shake this man's hand, I literally fell down and I fell on top of him. Yeah, and, and listen, he was, I was so embarrassed. He was so gracious, but needless to say, listen, I didn't get the job. And you know, I was asking, Lord, why? I was discouraged. Lord, why, why would you close the door? You took me so far, then you just... Why would you do that? And little did I know, he said, no more, you're gonna stay in Miami. Because in the future, I'm gonna call you into the ministry. You're gonna become a pastor. You're gonna be your wife. You're gonna have your child. And you're gonna serve Christ Fellowship as your pastor. And family, listen, thank God for that detour in life, amen? Because God knows what my life would have been if I would have been in New York City. So then what's going on in your life right now? What's the detour in your life? You know, how did I come to a point in my life where I had to trust the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know why you're doing this, but I trust you. So I want to challenge you right now. Listen, whatever detour in life you're going through right now, remember it is planned by God. It is led by God. And it's meant to lead you to a place of trust, dependency on him, because he's working out everything for your absolute best. Amen, family? Amen. Well, then before I end, I just want to quickly just say, you know, maybe you're watching right now somewhere and you're thinking, Omar, you know, when you were talking about being on a journey with the Lord and, and all things working out for best to those who love the Lord, I realize, Omar, that I don't have a relationship with God. And I'm sitting right here at one of our campuses. I'm watching you right now on, through the internet. And I realize I'm lost. I realize I I'm, I'm going, I don't even know where I'm going. And I realize that this world has nothing to offer me. So Omar, how can I start a relationship with the Lord? How can I start being led by God so that I know that He's the one leading me into right into the right places? Well, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You probably wonder, well, how do you call on the Lord? Well, listen, coming to church is not calling on him doing some sort of ritual is not calling on the lord doing some sort of tradition is not the way you call on the lord you know what you know the way you call on the lord it's very simple is it by putting your faith and your trust in christ and the bible says that the moment you put your trust and faith in the lord the bible says that he forgives you of all of your sins he gives you eternal life and you start a journey with the lord where he's leading the way and you know that he is working all these things out for your absolute best. But you've got to take that step and you've got to put your trust in him. So if that's you, wherever you're watching around, go ahead and bow your head. I'm going to lead you through a prayer just right now. Father, I just pray this with me. Father, today I come before you and I realize, oh Lord, that I'm lost on this journey of life. So Father, today I come before you and I put my trust in you, oh Lord. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. 
and I ask you for everlasting life. And Lord, for the rest of my life, Lord, lead me in your ways because I trust in you. So Father, help me, Lord, as I move forward so I can live a life that honors you and brings you glory. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, can we give it up for those who pray that prayer wherever you're watching right now? Listen, your campus pastor will give you some next steps for you. Uh, but, I'm, but I'm excited about this, about this new journey with, with your new journey with the Lord, all right? I'm going to call all the campus pastors to come to the front. And be sure to be back next week because next week we're going to be looking at the life of Mary from her perspective. I think it's going to be really special, right? God bless you all. Have a great, great day.